Welcome back to the pod, guys. This is your host, Austin, and Lexi's with me this week again. Hey, guys. So, we were talking about this. Actually, we talk about this a lot. Uh, and most of you guys, I'm sure, when you get done with your day or whatever, um, your wife, your significant other, you guys kind of unload on each other about what's been going on at work and going on at the office, right? And I feel like it was like a really big deal during COVID just with all the protocols and everything that's changed. But uh, one of the things that, you know, it, I think it's really important is being able to be able to react accordingly uh, in in your workspace um, because the environmental restrictions are so much greater, you know, uh, and what I mean by that is <clears throat> like my office. And again, I'm not going to get into who I work for, but in my office, uh, the door, the exterior doors all have stickers on them. Say it's a weapons free zone. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's pieces of our like, uh, conduct code and things where you can't have basically a pocket knife or anything. So it's a weapon free zone, you know, but there's still a lot we can do to address the the issue of being well prepared, uh, should, you know, should something happen. Um, and I kind of wanted to start with the backing it up and seeing like the changes. Um, and I don't know, cause you've, you changed employers like what a year and a half ago almost yeah about yeah so um with things that we saw during the summer right mm-hmm. covid and like yep. the, the social equity movement and stuff now it seems like even more companies are moving towards making every place like to be safer for everybody right we got to make sure everyone feel everyone feels safe everyone feels like this is their home and everyone feels like nothing bad's gonna happen here and i mean like and i get that uh but i think you're just starting to see like Maybe some places that didn't have uh, procedures or like rules, whatever, put in place concretely, actually spelled out. It was kind of just a don't ask, don't tell type sure. uh, situation are now starting to be more aggressive. More vocal. Yeah. Take like a harder stand with that. Um, you know, and I get like the stickers don't do a lot, but I mean, if you get caught with anything, obviously you're liable to a fee or a fine and. Well, I, hell, at my office, in my hell, building, as an employee, I'd, yeah, as an employee yeah. I'd probably just get, probably get fired. Yeah. Realistically. Um, and that's due to like, you know, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like these companies are trying to take this point. I think it's due a lot to um, media pressure, right? For like sure. the woke majority. <laughs> yeah. Um, they want to make everyone feel safe, but it's basically like low-key finding a way to downplay any kind of conservative behavior. Well, you know, because if you're... when you, if yeah, you you low-key feel safe, and then something happens, then nobody's prepared, and it's even worse. Well, but what I mean, what I was thinking more is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, what you're saying, you know, everyone wants to feel safe. It's it's that liberal mentality of. We're just not going to let anybody have any weapons here or any guns or any knives or anything like that. And that way, nobody will ever be here to hurt us until, obviously, you know, somebody... So someone does, and then nobody is there to protect you. Right. Because, you know, you work in an office building with 15 floors, and there's four security guards that man the front desk, and 15 floors full of thousands of people. Um, And none of them security people carry anything other than, like, a flashlight and a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Yeah, at least in my building. And our, our security people are like, uh, you see those, 
those really awesome insurance commercials. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm not actually a security guard. I'm a security monitor. So yep. what do you do? Well, I just I monitor. monitor. You know, so basically, and, that, and that's true. And if you guys think about it, in most places, that's the case, right? What does your secu- what does a secu- security guard do? Um, they call nine one one in the UK. In the you know, it's like break glass in case of emergency. That's pretty much all security guards or rent a cops, whatever you want to call them, uh, are good for. I know at my in my particular instance, the most I see them do is get up and go get food, and then they'll go around and they'll check people to see if they're in their assigned parking spaces or not, and then they'll like put those big obnoxious colored. Uh, you know, like 10 by 6 or 10 by 7 stickers on people's windows letting them know that they're illegally parked. Yep. I mean, they're kind of useless. It's, oh, well, it's your threat deterrent. But most people know that, you know, security guards aren't going to do much. Yeah, if you've ever watched any movie ever where you're trying to get around a security guard, you just learn the behavior. They're usually very predictable. Yeah, and, and that's and that's honestly part of the, their job is they, they're required to do sweeps and checks at a regular Absolutely. interval so it's not it's not to like shit on anybody that's a security guard i mean obviously you got to play the game by the rules meaning you gotta do what your boss tells you right um but yeah i mean to say it's a deterrent i think is kind of an ex- that's giving it a bit more credit than it deserves really um but why do you let me ask you okay because uh, i have a lot of thoughts on it but why do you think um what, or what's contributing to this overall shift in mindset, this overall shift in how people feel about um, carrying a gun at work or having, because I know like we've had discussions, you said once your coworkers figured out that you carry <laughs> like, you had a, you have your pocket knife, right? And it's right. a, um, it's a concept knives uh, mini cryo. So it's not like a, you guys think it's like a Benchmade mini bu- uh, Griptilian, sorry, mini Griptilian. It's not a very big knife. Like you have small hands. Small hands, small pockets. So, it has to be a small knife to fit in those spaces. So you just, I think you had it one day to open a box or something. And I, you said the one coworker like freaked out and everything. So. Or brought the concept of, uh, you know, I, I, I keep a purse or purse. I keep a knife in my purse regularly. Mm-hmm. Like I have a knife that does not leave my purse. It's there for whenever I need it. It's... Honestly, it's the first knife I ever got. It's nothing special. Yeah. I mean, nothing crazy. If I lost it, I'd be sad for sen- you know sentimental reasons because it's the first knife I've ever owned. But it's by no means an expensive knife. And I just got this incredulous look about, what do you mean you have a purse knife? <laughs> what are you afraid of? Nothing. I'm well, afraid of nothing. Less than you. Well, at, at minimum, less than you, right? You know what right. I mean? Cause, but you also carry, like, I know in your purse you have a larger flashlight. You have something um, that you, yeah, something that you, I think you carry when you're. Yeah, it's a streamlight polytech. It's like your your lumens. carry light. Yeah, is my purse light because of pocket restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I keep yeah. So the knife, I keep the flashlight, and then usually on my person, uh, pockets permitting, meaning that I have pockets at all for ladies who understand my plight. Um, I usually have a pocket knife on me. I usually have my uh, mini multi-tool. I have a flashlight on me. And then I usually have like a pen and a handkerchief or my my standard. So why do you think you got that reaction? I, I think it's a lot of ignorance. You don't know what you don't yeah. know. You're afraid of yeah. what you don't know. Uh, it's very common. Nothing against anyone. People are naturally human beings are naturally afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. So it's something that 
they weren't people weren't around weren't exposed to it's unfamiliar to them they don't see the need to have it they don't see the need of it but then i watched the same co-workers you know grab a shitty pair of office scissors to open boxes and struggle to do it and i'm like this this is one of those things that right tool just, for the right job and yeah i think or you know I, i've had uh other colleagues who aren't co-workers need to you know my my multi-tool doubles as a uh screwdriver oh your pry bar yeah my pry bar yeah. you know it, it, it functions as a screwdriver and someone needed to ha- use a screwdriver and i was like here you go yeah it's got a phillips head and a flat head and whatever I th- you I need i think and- that i think that uh part of it too you know is the the pressure from the media you know um we talk about it's it's basically uh, the the constant um, the constant struggle to figure out whose fault it is, and by it I mean <clears throat> whatever incident or whatever you know. So to say it's a mass uh, mass stabbing, mass shooting, whatever, um, you're looking for somebody to blame. You're looking for something to blame, and I I feel like we as a society are getting to a point where people are just you know, A, they're afraid of it, like you said, because they, they don't personally carry something. They don't personally see the need for it. Um, and they don't they don't understand it. I think it. people would also like to, and, and not saying everybody by any means or any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like people want to, in a lot of ways, stay ignorant. Well, they don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, they, they so. want to keep their rose-colored glasses and just say, well, if nobody has a gun, you know, or nobody has this, no one will get hurt, and it's just not. So, and that's, you know, I, I guess what I what I would prefer to see, really, and I think that would be better for everyone and more productive is just let people do what they want to do, and as long as you, know, you are you not have, hurting anyone. Yeah, if you have issues with it, it's like, well, I, I personally, I see what you were describing. Um, somebody taking some old scissors or some broken scissors or something and struggling to open a box. I see that as more dangerous or more likely to cause an accidental injury than somebody who carries a pocket knife every day, opening it to open boxes. You know what I mean? Like agreed. Cause you're, uh, I've seen it where, you know, people open scissors and they kind of, they do like the um, beer can grip on it and inevitably to hold it open, you're, you're, you're putting your fingers around part of a blade no matter, I mean, how sharp or, or dull it is, right. you're not supposed to, It's that is not its intended use. Right. Right. Um, and it can still cut you, especially if your hand slips or you, I mean, something happens, whatever. Stuff happens in offices. I've, I've seen it. Yeah. So I just, I think, yeah, people don't understand it. Um, and I think right now, uh, given how much pressure the media has put on anybody for basically anything right now, everyone's offended by... Um, basically anything and everything under the sun it's the um you're appeasing people in the name of fear right you don't Mm -hmm. want you don't you want everyone to feel safe you want them to not have to be fearful of anything they're dealing with in the workplace so obviously the first one first thing to go is firearms i just see i don't want zone see i i get where you're coming from and i get the mentality behind it and obviously i know you don't agree with it but i get the point that you're making to me personally as someone who carries well i don't always carry my firearm because at like you at work i'm not allowed to have it Mm -hmm. i feel safer having these items on me than i do without them oh no i did for sure i think that um if more people gave it a chance they'd come around to it um i think that some people are just very closed off in that way of thinking and i and it's some people just 
haven't put the effort in Mm -hmm. and they just act uh, or react, I should say, out of pure shock. You know, it's pure, pure reaction. You know, what do you need that for? Why do you need that? Why do you have that stuff? It's like, well, you know, it's always one of those situations, right, where you should look at them and go, why don't you? Right. You know, like you're looking at me crazy because, I mean, okay, I suppose I can understand the reaction to the knife, but it's like a flashlight. How useful is a flashlight? As a woman, I lose the back of my earring probably every other day. Mm-hmm. Flip my flashlight on, look under my desk, find the shiny bit. Or even if you're thinking about stuff like, I, I know I've had to get down on my hands and knees at the office and uh, use my light to, you know, chase cables. Okay, yep. my monitor went out. Well, it's plugged in, in the back. Well, okay, then something happened. Somebody kicked something or a box got pushed over. You know what I mean? Like something came unplugged. Everything plugs into the either the same snake that goes down the the row of the desks or the same uh, outlet, you know, or port underneath the desks or something. Or maybe you're rerunning the wires because you're, you're moving stuff. You know what sure. I mean? Like there's a thousand reasons why. You know, it's useful to have. And everyone goes, oh, well, I can just use my cell phone. Like, well, a cell e- phone is large. Well, for one. E- it's not as bright usually. You may not always have the cell phone. I mean, I just, I carry it, you know, if I'm on the phone with somebody, like I'll never forget um, one of the days we had uh, the power go out, right? Mm-hmm. So I was on my phone calling my boss who was mm-hmm. working from home that day who didn't lose power. To let her know. And th- therefore, like, I couldn't use it as a flashlight you know or i didn't want to give somebody my phone and go here use this to go to the bathroom you know what i mean like you can i mean as gross as it is you can wipe off uh, you can wipe off either of them, but it's easy to say here take my flashlight you know or uh walk down the stairwell you know the throw on my flashlight's way more powerful than that light on the the flashlight and, you know i work with some older individuals so going down the stairwell it was only like every other floor every third floor had a security light turned on it sure. was awful so just nice stuff to have. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, to say that you can't be prepared without uh, a firearm or a knife or something's impossible isn't exactly accurate. There's, you know, you were just saying all the stuff that you have. Um, I think that people either approach it one of a couple ways, right? Either you have those people that say, well, screw this. This is America. I'm going to carry a gun anyways. <laughs> right. And they just roll the dice, right? Yeah. Which... Hey man, if that's how you want to roll, I mean, cool. I I support your uh, right to choose. Yep. However, you're also gonna have to support that company's right to terminate your ass for violating company policy. Yes. Not saying I agree with that. Obviously. No, but the fact of the matter is, you signed when you signed on the employment line, mm-hmm. you agreed to all the policies, and that was one of them. So mm-hmm. they're within their rights. Or you got the people that will uh, lock it up in their car. And I don't know. I know. I know some companies like they don't want it anywhere on the property. Um, some people, some places, you can leave it in your vehicle. It's kind of a gray line, a gray area. Yeah, and I think that you actually just end up drawing more attention to yourself, you know, by bringing it up to HR or something like, "Hey, well, hypothetically speaking, yeah, if I was to have a gun in my car every day, what are you? What are we violating policy? Exactly. Or there's the people that uh, you know that look at it like you and I, where it's okay. Well, I'm just going to leave it at home because I'm not supposed to have it on me, and I'll find they, other they ways. Got bills, to... and there's other ways around some of this stuff. Um, and then you got that that fourth idea that is nobody should have a gun, and that that's a whole separate ball of wax. But mm-hmm. you know, people that don't think that anybody needs a gun or a knife, and it, you know, they're terrified terrified and i i can i'm thinking of some people i work with right now their reactions if they were to even see me pay, pull out a, a pair of nail clippers right because you I mean 
You can actually use nail clippers for a wide, a wide variety <laughs> of uh, non-intended purposes. Like I've used them to clip um, zip ties and stuff. Like you can do all kinds of stuff with them. Uh, I've used them to open uh, like the childproof wrapping on like aspirin and stuff. Yep. I, all kinds of stuff other than just clip my nails. Uh, uh, open, sell, you know, wrapping on food and stuff, which is honestly not that sanitary, but you know, assume it's what whatever. It is. Um, but there's, you know, I, I feel like that, you know, if companies are going to take that hard line stance on, you know, a quality for everybody and everyone feels safe, like, well, this makes, makes me, me feel, feel safe. safe. So, um, I feel like there should be more discussion on it. And if anything, I, honestly, I do, because here's the thing is that we always talk about any kind of, uh, mass shooting or tragic incidences as like targets of opportunity and crimes of opportunity because these places are gun-free zones you know there's nobody there to shoot back well and a lot of times um and i remember i've not so far dealt with anything but um i remember going through workplace violence training Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's an an enraged spouse or significant other yeah there's a you personal usually reason it's a behind personal it. reason, but fact of the matter is it's your workplace. Yeah. And you work with 500 people on your See, floor and, and someone comes and in that's with what a kills gun me. and like. When we used to work together, right, mm-hmm. uh, our employer actually offered like completely paid for, completely free. You even got out of work to take it. A, uh, a American Red Cross uh, first aid CPR course. Yep. And you actually got certified in first aid CPR. Yep. Um, And it, it only took a couple, I think it took like a couple hours, but. Um, I was actually, I was genuinely shocked given the number of people in the building that there was only like seven of us that actually showed up. Yeah. There's only seven people that signed up for that kind of training. I think for, I think CPR, like to actually be like CPR certified and first aid trained, like the combination is like a hundred dollar course. Like it's not like uh-huh. it's a, I mean, it's not that expensive. Well, and they, the I remember they, things, but yeah, they brought the, like the, the dummies in, you know, so you could actually see the, the heartbeat as the you were CPR doing the compressions and, and, um, they brought in the training, uh, defibrillator and yep. stuff like that and um that to me and because we you know as much as i like i love talking about shooting and i love talking about guns and i and all the gear and everything but honestly the most valuable skills that you can probably pick up are medical because you're far more likely to use those 100 you, you know i mean whether it's and it's it's probably it's probably not even going to be firearm related no. right it could be any number of things right so whether you're helping, you stop and you help somebody who was in a car crash on the side of the road. Um, or your then, coworker is choking and falls yep. unconscious. Yep. I mean. Uh, your neighbor kid flips over his handlebars on his bike and splits his chin open, giving himself six external stitches and two internal stitches and one cracked is, molar. Is that a personal story? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to use that stuff, you know, and sure. then they, that class even talked about uh, tourniquets and application of tourniquets. Yeah, well, they had a so there's they say there was a first aid component, and we learned to apply bandages. And, and, and how she to... even had one, right? I think she even had one of the the North American rescues, uh, one of the cat tourniquets. Yep, pulled it out of her bag. I was like, huh, funny story, ma'am. I have one of those in my bag as well. Hmm. And people look at me like I'm weird. I'm like, well, why not? It's a tourniquet. What do you need Save that your for? Life. Like, I don't. I surely don't know what i would need it for but I'm i have sure it I if have i do it. if somebody else needs it if i need it i mean it's life it's like no one ever looks at you twice right when you oh yeah i have band-aids or every woman i've ever worked with i don't even care if this sounds like a stereotype because it's damn true every woman i've ever worked with i walk up hey do you have some ibuprofen oh yeah they pull at least one pill bottle out 
with stuff mixed in there, like sprinkled in there. You got to pick out <laughs> your your choice of ibuprofen or Motrin or whatever. You know, some people pull out two, three, four. I remember when you, know, you and I started dating, you had a actual pill bottle, like an actual prescription pill bottle that you just threw all your stuff in and you picked them out. Yep. And I remember thinking that you were weird. Um, and then we got married. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, so it's not ridiculous. I mean, in that regard, people are, t- you know, you talk about bandages too, right? Just regular band-aid brand mm-hmm. bandages. And you have aspirin, band-aids. People go, oh, that's perfect. So convenient. Thank you so much. I pull out something like a tourniquet. And that's probably one of the most useful things you could really have. And when people look at you like you're crazy until they were, you know, in a horrible car accident or were, you know, you were out on a hike with a buddy and they fell and had a small branch puncture their leg. And now they need a tourniquet. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to look at you. Then they're not going to even question you. They're well, going to look at you the same way they did when you and, said you had band-aids. I mean, that's what they call all these things accidents, right? Because stuff happens. You know, even just, so talking about like um, going back to again, using the crummy, crappy scissors, right? Yep. To open the box. What if somebody falls and falls on the scissors? Yep. Very real possibility. You, and then you have a puncture wound on an appendage, like an arm or a leg or something, and which can be life-threatening depending mm-hmm. on the severity where and wear and everything. And, yep. So yeah, having a tourniquet, like in and I think that most people that don't look into this are still under that uh, that misconception that you can just take a belt off and tie a belt around. It's not really going to work that way. I mean, no. you could probably help it, but it, you're really going to have to know what you're doing to improvise a, a, a proper tourniquet. Um, and also to have additional supplies for things like, you know, packing the wound, stopping bleeding, and just understanding, right? Like, where can I apply a tourniquet? You know, Not your neck. Not your neck. Yeah. Yeah, bonus points there if you knew the answer to that question. That was actually something that was unfortunately had to be pointed out when we took that CPR class with the Red Cross was she had to say, don't put the tourniquet on your neck. Well, yeah, most things should not be applied to your neck. And I remember me and my my boss looked at each other and giggled. And she goes, I know you guys are laughing, but But think about it. There are people out there that would do it. I was like, yeah. You know, unfortunately, I, I could see that, you know, because if you don't spell it out, some people, and especially like in the, the stress of the moment, right. I could see somebody just freaking out and doing it, unfortunately. No, 100%. And one of the other things that they uh, pointed out, which now that I've changed jobs, immediately looked for, is knowing knowing where your first aid supplies is, it's, knowing where you the, know, if I, you have it, a defibrillator on. It's unreal how many people don't know where those things are. I went and found mine. And I go, yep, yeah, they're knowing, right here. They go, I didn't even know we had those here. Knowing what your fire extinguishers are and knowing what your first aid kit is. If you have a defibrillator, where it is, if you do have one, because not mm-hmm. every office does. Well, and um, the crummy part with, and I even took it upon my, like, I actually looked at the first aid kit to find, like, okay, what do we have in here? What is it really, right? Because sure. when I think first aid kit, I'm thinking basic first aid plus, I would think, like, lacerations, you know, sure. like deep cuts, whatever accidents you might see in an office. Um, so I'm thinking you should have a fair amount of gauze. You should have some ACE bandage or like an Israeli bandage, some kind of pressure dressing, you know, just not a ton, but like some worst case scenario type things. Um, and it's mostly like burn ointment, which Which is weird because there's not really a kitchen. There's like a a break room, but there's not in that building. There's, there was not a open flame stove, right? I, I know a lot of businesses do have stoves and stuff where you can cook food and you can burn yourself. So not saying it's, not worth having i'm saying that in our for the office setting that you were in yeah um there was no tourniquet 
No tourniquet. Uh, and I, you know, and honestly, here's the thing, guys. If you're gonna buy, I, I think everybody should buy uh, a medical kit to either keep in their vehicle or, you know, ideally vehicle, and then one to carry on their personally, some degree. Um, with that said, and we talked about, I talked about this, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure, anyways, when we had Spencer on back in like September, talking about EMT training and medical considerations. Um, I've seen some of these first aid kits that they sell on like Amazon for like 12 bucks <laughs> and and no shit their tourniquet is like if you think like the material they use for like surgical gloves it's just a real long cord section of of that material and it looks like something you'd see like a heroin junkie or something tie off with in a tv show like it's yeah. awful and it's not effective at all um and if you guys do some research the amount of pressure that it takes the, to stop bleeding um is actually pretty high and if you don't have a tourniquet or some kind of device you know that's that's capable of uh holding and holding the pressure yeah and there's actually uh i think it was before the cat tourniquet really came out there's a different i can't remember what it's called um it's like a ratcheting tourniquet so you think like a ratchet strap you use Mm -hmm. on like trailers and stuff and i believe it was issued to the rangers at some point um in history during the global war on terror i i know i've i've heard it mentioned in a couple different books that i've read on the rangers and stuff um but think about that it actually ratchets down to apply that pressure and hold it there to ensure that the bleeding stops so to have something flimsy and crappy like that a you're gonna really fight that thing to put it on which is precious you know time that you're losing while this person's possibly bleeding out but then um you know also just it's not going to work. Right. And that's something that I, I think people need to, you know, spend the money, right? On medical stuff. It's literally, you're literally taking your life into your own hands at that point with how much you're spending. And I'm not saying you have to go out and buy like a $200 medical kit. But I do know that for probably about 60 bucks, you can get most of your basics covered. You might have to put it together yourself. Like here, I'm going to buy this $25 cat tourniquet. And then I'm going to buy this... uh medical essentials kit and then maybe spend another ten dollars on like a topical kit that has your band-aids and your ointments and and gloves and stuff and you're right about 60 bucks 60 70 bucks tops um depending on how nice you want to get how big or small you want the kit to be but yeah to your point it's absolutely startling how many people don't know where to get first aid help from don't even just and it doesn't even cross their mind that they should know Mm -hmm. i mean i've had people like turn around hey do you have a band-aid I mean, yes, yeah. yes, I do, but, but it's just like they don't—they don't, they don't even know, know where, to, where to like where to look, and they don't think you know. It's one of those things that you don't think about it until you're in the heat of the moment and need it. So, let me ask you this: because you talked about going through workplace um, workplace violence training. Yep. Right. Do you remember the 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 three word? Um, it's not an acronym, but the three word phrase they use to explain how you should treat those situations. Uh, was it run, run, hide, fight? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, ideally you would get out of Dodge, get yeah. out of there. Your, your job is to, and, and this applies all the time. They talked about this in my, uh, CPL class. Mm-hmm. Your job every day is to get home alive. So yeah. Yeah. if you it's can get out of there, to, you never want to engage unless you have to, unless yeah. it's literally at that point. So if you can get out of there, get out of there, right. run, Break the window, and, you know. If you're on a, you know, I I work in an old converted middle so, school, so, so all my stuff is first floor. And so going along with that, the second piece is obviously is, is hide, right? 
Sure. And then the last last resort is fighting. And it's, yep. it's hilarious because I take these we go through the training classes and everything, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. an annual requirement. And you see like the examples they give people like <laughs> swinging like office lamps and like rulers. And it's But like, it's very real. Uh, as sad as it is, it's very real that I could see coworkers doing these things. I mean, yeah. Uh, grab whatever isn't bolted down, worst case scenario. 100%. But I guess my bigger concern with that is that second step where they say you should hide. Right? Yeah. And what I mean when I say that's my bigger concern is in situations like um, a mass uh, casualty situation, an active shooter situation, um, and you're hiding, there's a number of factors that go into this. Okay, like for one, you should, if you work in any any facility for any kind of extended period of time, you should know where your exit points are. First where they and foremost, are, how where get- they let out. Yeah, that, and that's more important, honestly. Not so much where the exits are, but where is that exit going to take you? Because if it takes you to a dead end, it's maybe not the Your best. best option. It could be a option, but you can prioritize. That you may know, be plan C versus. And how are you going to get to that? Like, if you don't work on the ground floor, how are you going to get from your desk to Outside. that stairwell door to get where, you, you know, to the bottom floor or something and then to get to outside because in my mind unless until you're out of the building you're not like out of danger regardless of what floor you're on because you don't know how many people there are you know um so how are you going to get to these exits where are they um you know those are the kinds of things you need to plan out they have at least two routes to get out but also if you need to hide what's the difference between cover and concealment right Okay, cover will stop bullets. Okay? Yes. And that's pretty much as basic as, it. you know, I'm not going to get into what will stop what because it all depends. But, you know, oh, I'm going to go hide. And you're hiding in one of these interior offices that it's, you know, that like aluminum studs and drywall. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, any kind of normal ballistic, any kind of decent round, anything five, five, six. Nine millimeter, it's just going to shred through that stuff. Right. You know, so hiding behind this drywall isn't going to do you any good. So um, in a lot of instances, uh, stairwells are built out of uh, cinder block as mm-hmm. like the center structure of the building. So that's one thing to consider when you're looking at it. Um, but also figuring out, okay, um, file cabinets, like, is there anything in this file cabinet? If there's a ton of paper in there, okay, that might be a better choice than a file cabinet that's empty and used for random storage. Uh, or just simply hiding behind your desk, you know, where there's nothing there to, you know, like, and all, but it also depends on the material of your desk. You know, we, we when we worked together, we had sit-to-stand, very open concept. So mm-hmm. this desk, there was nothing to it. But if you work in an office space where you have a big mahogany desk, that's going to do different things than... Even, you know, yeah, just... I, mean, I would honestly say, I would venture to guess that in, the, in today's day and age, you know, most office furniture isn't built no. oh, to where oh, it no. would be useful um, to stop any of that stuff. So you're really looking at your structural restrictions, but then also line of sight, things like that. You don't want to lose, yeah, um, you don't want to trap you're... yourself into somewhere and you don't know what's going on. Well, where your glass windows are, can they see you? Can you see them? Um, you know, that's all stuff that you really have to... That's all stuff that you have to plan into how you're going to get out, you right. know, um, and it's, it sounds paranoid, but realistically, if that's the situation you find yourself in, you know, here's 
okay, if I go left from my desk, this is the route I'm taking. If I go right from my desk, this is the route I'm taking. Here's the two stairwells. Here's my two options. Just like in a fire drill, um, your elevators really aren't your best choice. Nope. Um, for one, and I'm just thinking about my building in particular, you press the button and then you wait, right? You're literally stuck there out in the open waiting for this elevator to show up, um, which again, just it's overexposure. Well, and then if someone goes in with the pure concept of inflicting terror and mass casualty as much damage as they can yeah you're gonna have someone sitting outside the elevator because there's only one place that lets out and there's usually gonna be more than one person in there yeah so you're sitting ducks even while you're in the elevator i see and this is the kind of stuff that i think that really i i think more companies should address when they look at um when they look at workplace violence training workplace uh, safety in general just well and it's not to say that you need to like like ideally, I would love to see more companies tell their employees, "Hey, you can carry a firearm here. It's at your discretion." I mean, I guess if I had my druthers, I'd say, "Okay, um, CPL rules apply. Brandishing yeah. a firearm is a thing. So yeah. if we see it, you're basically SOL." You know. Um, that said, you, I, I don't. I don't realistically think that you're going to get too many companies that are going to adopt that way of thinking. Uh, however, I think it's probably the better way to go about it. Cause now, you know, I've seen video footage. I've been in uh, training classes presented at my company where they literally show us, Hey, there's four office towers in this plaza. Ours is one of them. The one next door, here's the video footage. Dude walks in and starts shooting up the place. Yep. Walks in the lobby, walks past four people and just starts shooting random people. Literally uh, no reason for it. No, whatever for it. Nobody knew about it, but this is how it went down. And what are you going to do? Because in a modern, everyone wants to, you know, modern offices to look nice and stuff. So everything's glass. Everything is uh, low counters and high visibility. And it's like, okay, well, but that means that there's nothing to hide behind. Right. So what what can can be done to help mitigate the risk and help train people on how uh, truly, you know, to survive in the workplace? And, and uh, I don't... I don't know if you remember, um, not that I think that we ever want to go back to this, but like back in the early 2000s, we had the Washington DC, uh, sniper was a thing. You had people walk around wearing body armor and wearing, you know, bulletproof vests or realistically it's probably just soft armor. Sure. I would be okay with, you know, knowing people that have that kind of stuff. I mean, I own some, you know, equipment similar to that. But even now, you know, you see, you're trying to see backpacks and stuff that have the soft armor panels you can put in there. Yeah. Oh, that's a great thing to to kid to be part of your everyday carry. Most because no one's going to know about it. Yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's part of a backpack. A lot of people are moving towards carrying backpacks. I know um, women are starting to carry backpacks over purses because it distributes the weight evenly. It's easier to carry. You can carry more in it. You know, a lot of guys carry backpacks too because, Mm -hmm. you know, society sells women purses because they make our pockets so small and our pockets are so small so they can sell us purses. So, yeah, a lot of people are moving to carrying backpacks just for for everyday items because you want to have bottle of water with you and you want to have your wallet and you want to maybe have, you know, your tablet or your laptop to have and... You still want to carry it, so you go. If it was in your laptop, and you don't have, yeah, you have it evenly distributed across your back, so you're not putting. You know, like I carry my purse for 
30 minutes and my arm gets sore because, you know, it's just on one arm. Well, and you got a lot of these companies now that are starting to design their bags around uh, supporting the need for stuff like soft armor. Like I carry a, um, a Vertex sling bag. Right. I think it's the, I want to say it's the commuter 2.0, um, is the bag that, that, that they're, uh, that I have. And it, it supports a pocket in the back that you can put soft armor in there. I think it's like 11 by 14 or something. Um, and then they make a whole bunch of different accessories. You can mount holsters, magazines, and first aid pouches. So I got all kinds of stuff in mind. Granted, I don't carry this to work, um, mostly cause I don't work in the office right now right. due to COVID. And I got this bag uh probably eight or nine months ago it's been a little bit now but going back in there i mean honestly that's something i would consider right i mean remove the the stuff i can't have but being able to carry uh my work laptop and my gear as well as a medical kit like a full medical kit with a tourniquet plus body armor um i'd say that's a pretty good step in the right direction 100 percent um and I, I just I think that it needs to be something that's more realistically looked at by by companies, uh, especially in the world now where uh, liability is yeah. such a big deal. You know, people are afraid of getting sued and stuff. Um, I think preparing your your company, preparing your people better, is the the next logical step in in the progression. Not restricting what people are allowed to to carry with them. Not restricting. You know, and I and it gets so bad, right? Like I had, a, I have a Black Rifle Coffee Company um, mug, and I had somebody stop me in our break room, to let me know that they were that was something that they felt um, threatened by, or that they they felt was inappropriate for the workplace, not knowing anything about the company um, or the good work that they do, um, and also like let's not just miss the fact here that it's just a fucking coffee cup. Yeah, but. Because of things like this, uh, th- these are the kinds of people that companies are left pandering to uh, when they're evaluating these kinds of uh, policies. Right. You know, and I, I don't know that I necessarily see things getting a ton better. Uh, so I think it is really important to be more creative with what you carry on you. Sure. Um, no, there's, there's, there's tons of stuff and you can learn to not only is there gear that's designed that way but you can also adapt other gear like you said earlier with the the toenail you know with the nail clippers well a lot of uses like you can take everyday items and adapt them even like uh, i found and it's tiny so it's not really a good choice for me but i think it's called the jet setter it's like a like a swiss army knife but it doesn't have a blade so basically it's a utility tool or multi-tool for somebody who travels a lot no blade. I think it had like a pair of scissors and a nail file and um, a toothpick. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But sure. there are options out there for people that can't have blades on stuff. Um, alternatively, you want to get really creative. I guess you could like Frankenstein your own Swiss Army knife <laughs> and um, remove the blade. Or I know there's you're starting to see more of these like key organizers. Um, right. Like key bars or whatever, where you can add in a bottle opener, a screwdriver, stuff like that. that you can add in can, tweezers. You can add in a pick. Like. And, and that, that I guess can can take the place right of having a, a pocket knife or like a Leatherman or a Swiss Army knife. Um, it's not ideal. Is the problem? Mm, is it? No. You know, it's not ideal. And if you don't go with something, because those are kind of expensive. Sure. Um, so if you don't go with something that's a little bit that's higher quality, you're going to kind of struggle to get the best uh, end user experience out of it. But having something is better than having nothing. You know, having nothing. Um, I really do. I, I think that uh, 
the one big gap that companies can start addressing is just training people on how to react accordingly in these situations. Uh, you know, where to hide. Like we were just talking should about, be proactive instead of reactive. Well, I know it's, there's, you know, and that's, there's tons of veterans, there's tons of security contracting firms out there and stuff for all different, all different needs, right, right. to be addressed. You would think, um, you would think it's something that I guess companies would want to look at a little more closely, uh, especially since, you know, like I work in finance, right? I, I work in banking and I have a, you know, a brother that works in a branch banking, right? And having done that kind of work myself and knowing that he does that work himself, I know that there's a fair amount of research and time and thought that all goes into how they um, design those buildings, the security protocols and everything that go into place. But that's always usually focused on like, we don't want to lose money. Right. Like we don't want to get, we don't want anyone stealing um, internally. More so I think than it is, we want to protect the people. And I think that that's kind of, and I, you know, it's on, it's weird because I actually just read a, uh, or finished reading a book called, uh, Ranger Games, um, by Ben Blum. It was about a guy who was an army ranger who actually robbed a bank. Hmm. Um, and, uh, they actually even had, you know, cause everyone thinks, oh, well, banks are fine now because they have the bulletproof glass. Well, two things about that. Most of them, at least I, I can't even tell you last time I was in a bank that actually had the, uh, what do they call it? Bandit glass or something. Like ba- for the teller barrier. line. Yeah, for the teller windows and stuff. I think like almost like the the drive through glass is bulletproof, but that's also an exterior window. It's an too. exterior window, but like so that's, yeah, that's like, common with most commercial buildings though now too. Yeah, um, it's like the interior. But in this book, when they were detailing this uh, this robbery, which I think happened in like two thousand six or two thousand nine, mind you, that like a couple of the guys that were involved in this were trained army rangers, right? So special operations individuals. Um, were able to climb over the bandit glass or whatever because there was a gap between the ceiling and the top of the glass, <laughs> you know. So, um, I don't know why you would leave a gap like that because it's actually just counter, I think, counterintuitive. But what I'm getting as if the, if you're gonna, you know, you run these run a business, you're gonna have people that need to be out here and be protected uh, from liability standpoint. Um, if you're not going. If you're not going to give people every opportunity to defend themselves mm-hmm. and to be and to take that accountability on their own, um, you should at least provide um, as much training as you can. Yeah, as many absolutely. resources as you can. And that's not to say that a lot of companies don't offer. I, I think that my company right now that I work with does quite a bit. I would agree. Um, we do. You know, there's newsletters, and we actually have like a, a program of to organize, you know, in the event of emergencies, here's the whatever, however many people per building. I think it's based off population of sure. building. Um, these are the people that are going to direct traffic. Right. Like here, you're going to steer everybody away from whatever and into the correct exit points. You're going to sweep the floor on your way out to make sure there's nobody left. You're going to administer first aid and CPR because, you know, whatever. You're qualified, you're, you're to, qualified do so to do and- it. Um you know, so I mean, a lot of companies are are doing uh, decent things like that, but I, I feel like a lot don't. You know, I know you've told me you have had a, a drastically <laughs> different experience. You know, now in your your new role and your new um, career field. Yeah, I've had, I've been there a little over a year. I have had exactly zero training or any uh newsletters of any variety regarding 
workplace safety, workplace violence, uh, emergency, you know, processes. I mean, just there's there's been nothing, and I, and I realized this out, you know, to a certain extent. We're all adults, and you should be able to do some of that yourself. But at the same time, it would be nice to know that the company as a whole is going, we care about you, even just a little bit. Invest some money back in the people, you know, benefits like that. And, you know, and you say that, though. You think that everybody as an adult would have some common sense and stuff. But, I mean, you look at the news. Right. And you know it's not true. And then you you compound that with the fact that... um, in stressful circumstances, you know, yeah, your adrenaline's running high. People are going to react a little bit differently and unpredictably at times because they're stressed. Well, right. And then it becomes a, uh, um, a game of survival, right? So you're willing to screw over the guy next to you, whatever. I mean, you see it in movies, you see it in TV. Yeah. Just, you know, there's, but, there's a reason that as a kid you had fire drills and they told you to, not panic and to walk safely. So when there was a real fire, you just went through the motions and nobody panicked. Right. You know, and there's like, like you know, like I was saying, companies offer a lot of this stuff and maybe you're the one that brings it up to your boss then. Yeah, it's true. Hey, can we get, can we look into, you know, maybe we shut down for two hours one day or we do two different classes or something. It's not, I don't think it's really that expensive to have the Red Cross come in and and give these classes and you have to go to the red cross i know there's private companies that do like stop the bleed training and stuff right that was actually something and this of course i think when i made my suggestions was like right after the holidays right in that like two month window (laughs) after the holidays and before covid hit um i i they asked what kind of activities we wanted to do as a company i said i think we should do more first aid training and i know there's companies out there that'll bring in the dummies that like will actually spurt out the the fake blood more, and everything, more the colored water, and it'll they'll teach you on how to you know plug wounds, how to um, you know, and, and this is all useful stuff that you, you're going to use in and out of the workplace. So there's uh, a dual benefit. Yeah, because people look at you crazy. You work in an office setting, and it's like, hey, the light in the break room fell mm-hmm. on somebody. I've seen that happen. Not on somebody. I've seen that stuff happen. But it's a very real. I mean, is it common? No. Is it common enough to warrant training? Yeah, somebody there should know how to properly tend medical wounds, like real ones, not your paper cut and, you know, or, hey, I'm four foot 11 and was climbing up a six foot file cabinet and it fell over. Should you have been doing that? No. Does it happen? Probably. Uh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen somebody try and sit on a cabinet and have it uh, topple fall over and actually trap their their leg under the cabinet and it took i wasn't there when this happened um so i i, I didn't see it but i heard about it after the fact and we had a, an incident report so i should correct that i wasn't i didn't see it but i've dealt with it happening yeah somebody went to go prop themselves up and sit on a um counter and the whole thing uh, it wasn't actually bolted to the wall and it was a small cabinet it fell over and it trapped her leg under it and it took three women to pick it up off of her um so she could Get out. Get, get out and get back up. And then, you know, she had a big old bruise on her ankle, which She's lucky that, that was that was all that um, happened. I mean. Yeah. So. Or, I mean, like you said, all these places have glass and your glass door sticks and you go to yank on it and it comes off the track and falls or. I mean, yeah. You work in a place happens. that's prone. Yeah. I mean, like, 
someone runs into the building and jars the building and you're on the first floor and you get hit with debris. Like, I mean, name, name your disaster. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, well, you don't think it's going to happen. You should prepare for it to happen. I mean, even the, I mean, even the little stuff, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen people, uh, my boss, my own boss, who I love dearly, uh, but I've seen her trip over a speed bump in the parking lot. <laughs> um, I've had, I had a coworker walking six feet in front of me, slip and fall uh, on the wet floor in the lobby. You know, uh, it's just this stuff that happens that the better you're prepared to, to deal with these things, the better off, uh, better you off you're going to be. Cause I mean, yeah, normally you slip and fall, but then this time you slip and fall weird and you have an exterior bone break. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because of the way and you fell. Those can be life-threatening, depending. Yeah, it's you know any, you know, obviously you don't wish any of this to happen. Nobody wants this to happen at their workplace. Mm-hmm. But the very real reality is that it does. Yeah. So and and, and, and I guess and then the the point that we're really getting here, guys, is you can you can be prepared on a pretty relative budget. You know, we're talking about a flashlight. Okay, go and buy a flashlight. Um, the only thing I'm going to caution you with on, on that is don't just go buy the first thing you find off the rack for five or 10 bucks at Meyer or Walmart or something. Um, you should get something that's at least 400 lumens. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for around 35 or 40 bucks, uh, Streamlight makes the, it's called the Polytech, it's Palmer body flashlight. It's like 650 or 700 lumens and it runs off of, uh, CR one, two, three batteries, really great light. You can leave it in your purse. You can leave it in your briefcase. You can leave it in your backpack, whatever. Um, you can carry stuff like uh, um, a multi-tool, you know, with or without a blade if you need it. Again, you can find those for as little as 30 bucks to as much as over, you know, 150 depending on you get like a Leatherman or, or if you're allowed Just, to have something with a yeah, blade. Yeah, depending on your needs um, and what you want. Yeah, You know, 60 bucks, 70 bucks gets you a decent medical setup. And you can get a, a real cheap nylon bag to throw that in, a little zipper bag for like five bucks on Amazon. Yeah, it doesn't Hell, have to be half anything. Of them, half of them come with it, right? Right. And again, that just goes in your bag and maybe you never touch it, you know, other than just to change out stuff when it expires. Um, so it really doesn't take a lot to be prepared. But I think, uh, you know, as we're all starting to head back into the office, you know, well, some of you guys never left the office. Uh, but <laughs> if you're, you know in a situation where now that we're starting to see states uh, open back up and companies are starting to come back into their buildings, maybe this is the time, you know, use some of that stimulus money, reevaluate what you have on your person every day, what you have in your vehicle every day, uh, you know, to make sure that you're going to get home, you know, or the person next to you is going to get home uh, at work. Take the time when you, when you do get back into the office, whether or not you knew where they were before, the fact of the matter is you've been away from the office for how long now? I mean, at least, yeah, I mean, also it's a year for me, it's a year. Some uh, of you less, some of you more, you know, depending, you know, what your work scenario was. But if you've not been in the office for, you know, if you've not been in the office for more than 90 days, Mm -hmm. go reacquaint yourself with everything. Yeah. Yeah, Even even if you knew where everything was before you left, it's been long enough. Go, go find your fire extinguisher. Mm Mm-hmm. Go find your exits, go find your exit routes, you know, go from your desk, figure out where everything is, go find the first aid kit, just reacquaint yourself with your office. And and honestly, real, realistically, reach out to your, your supervisor, talk to your boss about, you know, if you guys don't have first aid training offered annually or something, maybe that's something you bring up. Say, hey, um, is this something the company has the ability to offer? Um, if, or will it, they even, pay for it if you're going to be the person on site that has that that skill, has that training? 
work may pay for it. You don't right. know. I've heard of it going all sorts of ways and it's because it's, it's, I'm pretty sure they get a write off for it, you know, tax wise. Yeah, there's some, not some to benefit. A, not to put a dollar value on life saving skills, but I mean, it's a business, right? Everything comes down to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, easy stuff to do uh, and in practice, I think, can can go a long way to help you guys out. Um, uh, and if you don't have it, talk with your, talk, uh, I mean, while you're having that conversation with your supervisor, do you, does your team have an exit strategy? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have that end-all, be-all plan? Usually it's it's a fire plan, but just in, in case of emergency, do you have, just like you should have at home, you you have that yeah. that family plan. Yeah, we of, make these plans for our of, kids and our families and how we're going to so get out of the house. So you can account for everyone. Do, you know, does your team have one? If not, you should be the mm-hmm. one to bring it up to your boss. You know, you want to get home alive just like everyone else does. So well, you probably end up winning some brownie points too for being a creative thinker and a, a real team spirit. You know, I mean, all, it's all it's all positive stuff. That if you got a you work for a decent company and you work for decent people, they'll they'll be happy to have the discussion. Um, and in a lot of cases, I think you'll find they'll be very receptive to it, uh, especially with everything going on right now, you know, uh, starting to see some trials, uh, as a result of what happened last summer, right? right. Uh, the George Floyd, uh, was it Derek Chauvin, the police officer yep. in Minnesota, his trials coming up, who knows what we're going to see in terms of rioting. I'm willing to bet now that the weather has starting to get warmer <laughs> again, um, we're probably gonna see more riots. Uh, you, you know, it, you just, you can't tell. So uh, it could happen at any point in time. That could be at one thirty on a Tuesday afternoon when you're in your office building, you yep. know, two months, three months from now. So, uh, think about that stuff. You know, how are you going to get home? Right. How are you going to maintain your own personal safety and get home? I hope, uh, you guys have found value in this, uh, especially now, like I said, now that we're all going back to the office, I think this is a, a really good time to talk about it. Uh, We've had, we got some content on the Instagram page of our, our medical stuff that we, we carry with us and have, and have prepped for vehicles and our EDC bags, go bags, whatever have you. So check that stuff out. Uh, we'll have another episode for you guys next week, um, with some exciting news coming, uh, going to be making a big announcement for the podcast. Uh, should be Sam and I jumping on that one, uh, until next time you guys get out there and be prepared.